Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller. I'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic. Today's topic is changing self-pity to action. My sobriety program teaches me to quote-unquote divorce myself from self-pity. I felt so much self-pity when I was drinking that I purposefully restricted my food intake. I spent so much time in self-pity that I convinced myself that I was undeserving of anything good, including food. Um, I didn't, I didn't talk about it because it sounds selfish. Um, And who would empathize with poor me and all the bad decisions that I've made? I mean, I, I realized that I put myself in the position that I was in. I even remember my brother saying something about it at some point in my life. I think it was early when I, yeah, I, I, I can't remember how I laid my, how I made my bed and now I have to lay in it or something like that. And, um, you know, this was just the beginning of, of my problems. Um, and that's what it seems like, you know, it seems like, um, we're making these bad decisions, uh, because we don't know any better or something like that. But, um, it turns out that, I was very sick, you know, and that's nothing on my brother. You know, he, he didn't know I was sick. Um, but I was already drinking alcoholically way, way back then. Um, so I felt like I was destined to live a miserable existence. So I fueled that miserable existence with alcohol and by starving myself. And self-pity, you know, doing nothing and just sitting in self-pity was easier than taking action, Um, you know, than, than having enough passion to get me out of bed. Um, So, I've, I listen to, uh, just like I always do, uh, YouTube videos. That's mostly where all my research comes from. Um, but I listen to other people's experiences. And just like I'm sharing my experiences, there's just so much, so much to learn. I, I really, really enjoy it. And um, one of the videos that I listened to was... Uh, a gentleman with cerebral palsy, and he was talking about um, falling and how it, you know, he's had a life of falling down, literally. And um, one thing that he said that made me kind of, kind of shift a little bit of what he said, but how life is not about falling down. It's not even about bracing myself for the fall. It's about getting back up. And, and that's, you know, I learned how to pity myself 
uh, when I was growing up. I compared myself to my friends who seemed to have what I didn't have. I mean, you name it, the, the looks, the clothes, the boyfriends. And I got older uh, and it was still, you know, comparing myself, they got the looks, the clothes and the boyfriends, you know, and then I got even older. And that's when things began to shift. When I turned into, you know, my life was different. I was married, I had kids, I had a job. But there was always something that I was comparing myself to. And saying, you know, poor Rachel, she doesn't have that. And um, whether it's a nice car, a great job, you know, (laughs) we always said at work, you know, the grass is always greener, you know, not at just the last job I was at, but every job I was at, people will leave and, and, you know, the people that are left behind are like, oh, you know, the grass is always greener, (laughs) you know, to make ourselves feel better for staying. Um, And then later, as I got older uh, and my drinking really was going downhill, I was comparing myself to other people that could drink normally and knowing that I needed help, uh, comparing myself to, yeah, now I had a big house, but now I didn't have new stuff to fill it, you know? I, yeah, I see all the, the cleaning folks coming and cleaning these people's houses, but I couldn't afford to have a cleaner come see, you know, I found self-pity everywhere all the time. I never had enough. I never had the best. And it was poor me all the time. It didn't matter how everything may have looked to everybody else, uh, looking from the outside in, I was on the inside looking out and it was terrible. It was, it felt terrible to be me. Um, so self pity can also be viewed, uh, if you kind of shift the thought about it to a little more of a positive spin, Self-pity can be viewed as having compassion for ourselves. So how can we shift the negative spin of that compassion showing itself as self-pity into a positive spin of that compassion showing itself as action and passion? So I'm talking about shifting compassion for myself into passion to take action. Self-pity is a victim mindset. Replacing that compassion for myself and the emotional pain that I was feeling with passion will pose the question, what can I do about it? What can I do about what I'm what I'm having so much self-pity about. By setting myself in the center, not on the sidelines, but in the center of a recovery community like I had in sobriety 
and like I am slowly doing in my uh, stroke survivor community, I'm able to see that I'm not alone and I'm not a victim of the world. I'm not unique. And when I get involved in a community of like-minded people, I'm able to share with others so I can get out what's what's building up inside of me um, in my dark place. You know, it, it, it comes out looking like self-pity a lot of times. And I can also listen and learn rather than just swimming in this self-absorbed misery. And start looking outward, not just constantly looking inward and just uh, really crying on the inside. That's what it feels like. It just felt like I was constantly crying, sinking on the inside. And when I was able to join a fellowship of people in sobriety, um, I found it harder to focus on the inside when when there were so many interesting stories that were resonating with me. Um, and that doesn't mean that I'm ignoring what's going on on the inside of me, the pain that I felt, because quite often when it was time for me to share, I was just crying and and I'm talking like sometimes just I I couldn't even speak uh, because I I couldn't catch my breath because I was just so upset. Um, But by by not uh, constantly looking inward at the pain without comparing in this way, comparing in rather than comparing out. How am I similar rather than how am I different to everybody around me? I gain the willingness to start doing something about it because I can start seeing, well, these other people uh, have said the same things that I feel and look at them, you know, look what they're doing for themselves. So uh, a scene from Bridesmaids comes to mind when Megan comes over to, she goes over to uh, visit Annie at Annie's mom's house where Annie is staying because uh, her creepy roommates kicked her out. And Megan, played by Melissa McCarthy, uh, tells Annie that uh, you're the problem and you're also your solution. And, um, and although that freaking character is hilarious to me, Megan is absolutely hilarious to me. Well, they're all hilarious, but, um, there's really a lot of value, um, in that scene, uh, where she says, you're the problem, Annie, and you're also the solution. So this is what I did. I, I pictured myself after I watched that, that scene. Sorry, I listened to the scene. I was thinking about, um, I I was thinking about being in front of my kids 
you know, one of my kids and, and something bad happened to them. You know, I was just, this isn't something I experienced, although I, I did experience a lot of, a lot of instances like this. I was just hypothetically thinking, all right, Rachel, what would you do if one of your kids, uh, had something negative happen to them? How would you deal with it? You know, how would you speak to them and how would you try to encourage them? So I took a little uh, field trip in my brain and thought, okay, so let's say that my son didn't get hired for a position that he applied for that he really wanted at a music studio. And so what would I do? I know, uh, so I have this I don't know that it's good. I seem to have this like over empathy. What like I'm over overly empathetic um, to a I think to a fault. Sometimes I actually carry people's pain, which I don't think is very healthy. But we'll ignore that. So <laughs> I would feel sorry for him, right? I would feel sorry for my son. Um, and I would probably say to him something like, I'm so sorry that you didn't get hired. I know how much you wanted it and you probably feel like rejected and you aren't ever going to find a job that you love. You know, that's what we feel when something bad happens in our lives. It happens once and we think it's never, I'm never, you know, gonna, gonna get a, a job that I love. We catastrophize it. And so after I, I try to, uh, empathize with him, um, again, probably over empathize because that's what I do. But besides that, I would begin then to try to lift him. So I would tell him wholeheartedly how much of an incredible talent he is. And I would tell him that pain is an opportunity to grow at which time he'll probably be wishing I would leave him alone <laughs> so that he could wallow in his own self-pity. But I wouldn't let him, right? I would keep going. And I would give him suggestions for action. And this is the key to shedding self-pity. So uh, is action. So Thomas Edison said, Thinking will not overcome fear. The most certain way to succeed is always to try one more time. So I am going to think about that young version of myself that I talk about all the time, that young girl who came home from school and was talking to her cat. <laughs> I'm going to think about her Um when I'm feeling self-pity. So today, for example, I was sitting on the couch this evening. I was laying on the couch. I felt kind of crappy today. And um, I think it's because I did that interview with the, uh, the other podcaster last night. And I had one of those uh, lights shining on, like one of those... Uh, I guess, podcast lights or video lights that people shine on themselves to um, because I was in a room that was going to get dark because it was getting kind of late. Anyway, I think it hurt my eyes. Um, 
and I was on camera, so I was trying to look above the computer so that I wasn't looking at the screen. I don't know. It was a lot. So I feel kind of crappy today. So when I feel crappy, I can't do as many things. I, I have to really spend a lot of time resting. And you know how hard it is for me to do that, for me to slow down. And you know that I'm trying to practice that. But uh, it's uh, progress, not perfection. And um, so anyway, I was laying there and my boyfriend was in the room and I was like, oh, I can't do anything. <laughs> and uh, so what I need to do, it's not true. There are things that I can do. Yes, things have changed, you know, but there are things that I can do. And so I'm going to say this to myself. I know you feel sad, bored, and restless. There's a lot of adjustments that you've been making in your life. And I'm going to tell myself that pain is the opportunity to grow. And then I'm going to take a step forward. I talked about that several days ago is to just take a step forward physically, literally take a step forward um, because one step will typically lead to another. And I'm going to make a list again of the things I can do because that's what I have to focus on. I have to always remind myself that there are things that I can do. And... I can call a friend. You know, I didn't do any of that today. I laid there and I said, "Ugh, I can't do anything. I thought to myself, um, oh, you, you need to do your yoga today. You can go do your yoga. And I still just laid there. And I thought of something else. I can't remember what it was. Something else that I could do. But I didn't. I just laid there. I didn't do any of the things that I'm talking about right now. And, but what did I do? I wrote this podcast script. So I did take action. Um, I have set myself up for success by doing this podcast on a daily basis. Because I know that these are the everyday battles for me in recovery. And it is just absolutely um, ev- you know, it means everything. It's my life for me to maintain uh, a healthy mindset. So uh, I'm able to share about it. So I may have not gotten up and done yoga or whatever the other thing was that I was going to do. But I did grab my remarkable tablet and start writing in it and started writing about self-pity and learning about self-pity and shifting self-pity and that compassion for myself into passion. And my passion is to continue to try to lift myself, continue to try to help myself recover uh, in whatever capacity that is, and to use my experience, strength, and hope to help other people. So that's where we're at. 
That's why I'm here. I'm so happy to have you here too. So thanks for listening and I'll talk to you tomorrow.